It's 2022, and industrial employers are having a more difficult time than ever before finding a skilled workforce. In fact, almost one in eight working-age men across the United States of America have checked out of the workforce altogether. This at a time when unprecedented funding is coming into the world of education and advanced manufacturing technology is moving forward at rates never before seen toward and beyond Industry 4.0. Let's talk about all of this with the education governor. Welcome to the Tech Ed Podcast, where we visit with leaders who are shaping, innovating, and disrupting technical education. People who are not afraid to think differently, not afraid to try something new all with the goal of securing the American dream for the next generation of STEM and workforce talent. It's Matt Kirkner, your host for the Tech Ed Podcast, and it is a privilege to be able to welcome to the studios of our podcast today, the 46th governor of my home state of Wisconsin, the Honorable Tony Evers. Governor, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Absolutely. So let's start by talking about your background. What a great background you have for governor. You were the superintendent of the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction for about a decade. Your background also includes time as assistant DPI superintendent, district superintendent. You were a principal. You were a teacher, I believe a science teacher, if I'm correct. And you're often referred to as the education governor. Tell us how this extensive background in education influences the priorities that you set for your administration. Yeah, and thanks. Yeah, I've spent most of my life in public schools. And, you know, that experience, especially from a local level, I learned from students and fellow educators, parents, and living in the community. Kathy and I have worked all across the state of Wisconsin. And that's really informed us, informed me, and actually informed her in, in her career also. And you know, at, at the bottom line, it's what's best for our kids is best for our state. That's just not a, a slogan for me. It's something that's really fundamental to our priorities as an administration, because if we take care of our kids, we're also making sure parents can have affordable housing, health care, child care. It is about people that work with me say, don't say this anymore, Tony, but it's about connecting the dots. And all those issues, housing, health care, child care, you know, making sure that we have good jobs and the future we want for kids, all those things have to be in place. We just can't say, okay, we're going to focus on K through 12. You know, we have to focus on technical colleges, the University of Wisconsin system, our private system. And so it is about all those other things. We have to have a we have to have good infrastructure mapped. We all those things are connected. So it is indeed about connecting the dots, Governor. Who can argue with the idea that what is best for our kids is best for our state? Uh, I have a saying that times have a way of finding their leaders, and what a perfect leader for a time when we have just literally unprecedented levels of funding coming into education here in our state and really across the nation. So specific to K twelve. How should districts be prioritizing investments? You know, I think about things like bricks and mortar, which are important, certainly supporting our teachers in the form of compensation and benefits, but also investments in curriculum and learning systems and technology. How do we make sure that those types of priorities find their way into your priorities as governor and our priorities as a state? Yeah. And every school district obviously has different needs. And that's why I believe for the most part, School districts should be able to make those decisions about spending themselves, obviously, within whatever guidelines are out there. 
But it's important to remember that the coronavirus relief funds really were put in there to fill huge gaps uh, created by the pandemic. And it's never meant to replace sustainable state or local funding. So no one was budgeting for a pandemic. So obviously, lots of things uh, have have happened. And and I'll just mention one in particular. Certainly, the issue of mental health and behavioral health of our kids has been made more difficult for our schools and and for our kids uh, to start with. And so making sure that those things are in place. I do believe, though, that some of the investments we have made so far in our first two budgets our schools now rank eighth in, in the U.S., and we're back in the top 10 after ranking 17th just five years ago. And that's something we're proud of. We've restored the two-thirds funding. I'm also glad that we're able to provide $110 million to, of federal funds to our public schools to do what they needed to do. So I'm real reluctant to start suggesting to school districts how, how they spend their money, just as I was real reluctant to talk about them mitigating this virus because every school district is different. But if I was back in a school district, I would really focus on the mental health services to make sure our kids are not just getting by, that they're bringing their best and best that they can to the classroom. Making sure that our kids are bringing their best. I know that mental health was a key focus of your state of the state address that you delivered to the state just uh, very, very recently. It's fantastic that we're putting a priority on the mental health of our kids, on the future of our state, on the future of our students. Speaking of putting a focus on the future, in mid-December, your administration announced a little more than $59 million allocation of workforce innovation grants. That was the first round of grants in this program. I believe the second round of applications is opening as we speak. This is funding made available, by the way, from the Federal American Rescue Plan Act, commonly called ARPA. And there are 12 regional recipients of this $59.5 million. And they include several projects aimed at the field of advanced manufacturing, certainly a topic that is near and dear to our hearts and the hearts of the audience here at the Tech Ed Podcast. Tell our audience how you believe these programs benefit their communities and the state of Wisconsin. I'm really glad you asked that question. First of all, Wisconsin obviously isn't alone facing workforce challenges. They existed, frankly, before this pandemic. And that's why we selected 12 different grants. No one-size-fits-all solution. So the projects are coming from the people in the communities. And, you know, the good news around that is that, you know, first of all, the state isn't necessarily telling people how to fix their problems locally. But there were several really good projects that were aimed at bolstering advanced manufacturing in the state. No surprise that several of our technical colleges are once again leading the way. I have a real soft spot in my heart for Technical College of of the state of Wisconsin. You know, Chippewa Valley, for example, they're addressing the need for skilled workers and metal fabrication across the manufacturing sector through outreach, short-term training, work-based learning opportunities. The project model includes multi-purpose training centers and mobile labs, uh, especially targeted towards our rural school districts and, and high schools and rural employers. Really happy about that grant. The mid-state one was extraordinary, up to $9 million. I I remember being at that event, and I I can't remember the weather that day, but it was pretty shaky. And uh, the people that turned out to talk about, you know, workforce uh, programming, uh, barriers, removing barriers to support service and investments in infrastructure, that will target 2,500 people throughout that region to meet workforce demands and connect unemployed, underemployed, underserved people, and youth with new family supporting careers. And 
It includes the construction of the Advanced Manufacturing Engineering Technology Center in the region to address current and obviously future. So that was a brick and mortar one, but it is going to carry on mid-state and that part of the state going forward too after this uh, pandemic. MATC had a great plan to bolster the pipeline of high-quality childcare professions at MATC. And the MATC also plans to develop new avenues to accessing uh, in-demand skills in advanced manufacturing, healthcare, information technology, and so forth. So those projects were not only great news for the technical colleges uh, that are implementing and the communities they serve, they're great news for our entire state because our tech college system are, you know, they're economic driver. And, uh, and having that kind of balance across the state, I think, was really important. And I think you highlighted three of those great projects. We've worked closely with Chippewa Valley, certainly, and President Sunum Garcia. And I think that grant, in many ways, being driven by a great friend of ours, Dr. Jeff Sullivan. Uh, certainly, we've worked, worked really closely with Dr. Mondike. We know her well at Midstate, along with Ryan Kosky there. So great examples of where you're putting this workforce innovation money to work. And so thank you for sharing those. Also appreciate you sharing uh, MATC, of course, with me being in Mequon, that is a, a one that's really near and dear to our heart as well. And mentioning childcare, which you know, the lack of childcare creates a barrier for so many potential employees here in the state of Wisconsin finding their way to the workforce. And I want to use that as a way to segue into our next question. I don't know if you happen to see this recent piece that we've mentioned a few times here. It's in the Wall Street Journal about a month ago, give or take. And it highlighted the declining workforce participation of prime working age males. These are folks between the ages of 25 and 54. And this is a trend that has been taking place, believe it or not, since the beginning of the century. The trend didn't surprise me so much as the number. And that article stated that almost one in eight working age men are sitting out their most productive working years. Now, Wisconsin's unemployment rate, to your credit, is in great shape. I think somewhere around 2.3%, if I'm not mistaken. So certainly no complaints about the unemployment rate. But as we have this low unemployment rate, we also have both our employers in our state and across the nation really suffering from a shortage of skilled labor. So you can't help but note the connection there. How do we get these folks that have maybe checked out of the workforce for whatever reason back into the world of work? It's an interesting dilemma because I think both of us agree that Wisconsinites are hardworking by nature. And, you know, one of the reasons we do well is because we have the best workers in the world. People work hard here in Wisconsin. But you mentioned, too, that with the unemployment rate as low as it, as it is, we also have to, I think, work on reducing barriers to work. And longstanding barriers include uh, affordable, quality childcare so that people can leave their homes and stay home or staying home with their kids or caring for loved ones, uh, caregivers numbers in the state of Wisconsin are pretty darn high. In addition, filing reliable transportation to get home and so on and so forth. All that is really important. And in too many communities, you know, don't have affordable housing. So moving there, you know, to find work, they can't find housing that they can afford. So there's no one size fits all solution again. And that's why we invested, I think it was about $130 million to uh, finding solutions to address the, these needs. And 10 million of that 
for career coaches to connect with individuals trying to get back into the workforce, some people that may have been out of the workforce for some time. People needed some navigation to have that happen. So money into that, $20 million to offer subsidized employment and skills training for opportunities for local employers and and also some $100 million for our workforce innovation grant program that we talked about before to develop leading edge long-term solutions. We are very excited uh, why we're also going to be able to use $130 million of our nearly $4 billion surplus to provide targeted tax relief. That's one of the things I talked about in my state of the state speech. Tax credits for child and caregivers is really important for those that need help taking care of people at home, kids at home, or a loved one. That shouldn't be a barrier. People should be able to find work. We can make that happen by making sure that people have the money in their pocket to make those uh, purchases. So really a comprehensive approach to solving this problem, whether it's finding support for childcare, transportation, a targeted tax relief, as you suggest. Certainly the discussion around career coaching, around skills development, around training, that's a really, really hot topic and one that we talk about quite regularly, as you can imagine here on the podcast, Governor. You know, I'm a believer, first of all, that Wisconsin is a leader in the field of advanced manufacturing and what we call Industry 4.0. In as much as we have the best workers in the world, in many ways, we have some of the best innovation in the world around advanced manufacturing. Maybe don't often take as much credit as we should. I had the opportunity to keynote an event last week for the Wisconsin IoT Council. And we really, we highlighted a number of examples in that meeting of how Wisconsin is leading in Industry 4.0. We have Rockwell Automation here. They're leading on the automation front on technology. They're just doing some really, really incredible things. We've got focus on our technical colleges. You talked about visiting Chippewa Valley Technical College and being involved with them. Talked about visiting Mid-State. So many great things happening at our technical colleges. Talk a little bit about what our employers should be doing as we focus on this future of advanced manufacturing and industry 4.0. Yeah. And, you know, training is a huge issue. No question about that. And having our technical college and our University of Wisconsin system too you know, understanding how important this is to our economy. And so my message to industrial employers coming to Wisconsin, we have the best workers and we have some of the best employers, like you mentioned, Rockwell and others. And you're right, we have to blow our horn a a little bit more on this. Uh, We're home to some of the most recognized and forward-looking brands, Kohler, SC Johnson, Harley, Briggs and Stratton, you name it. And driving trends such as, you know, with 4.0 is what keeps these and other Wisconsin manufacturers at the forefront of the of manufacturing. And I, I know you know this, the WEDC has worked with a number of uh, companies that have invested in Wisconsin over the last three years. And I'll just use Generac as an example. We, we negotiated a deal with Generac, which is a global leader in manufacturing and design of energy technology. They're in Waukesha. They'll be investing an additional $53 million in their facilities. And Haribo, the gummy company, $242 million. It's its first manufacturing facility in North America. And if people think that making gummy bears is not high tech, all they have to do is look at that plant. It's extraordinary. So I'm glad you brought this up because I'm really proud of our technical college system, numerous advanced manufacturing programs they offer. And First state, I believe, to develop a a tech college system. 
And schools like Gateway Tech have been leading the issue through their smart automation certification. So I'm really proud of what we're doing. We need to talk about it more, frankly. And, you know, we also need to invest in uh, the tech college system. We, In my last budget, uh, we provided $25 million increase for state aid for the system, which is the largest increase since 1993. And so we're, we're looking forward to continuing to do that. And I feel very confident that we will continue to lead the country in this area. So many of the things that you just mentioned in that last answer, we've crossed over on in the last year. Certainly your mention of you know our technical college system and Gateway being the first technical or community college in the country. Ryan Albrecht, who's retiring this year, I, mean, I know he's a mutual friend of, of both of ours, will be happy to hear that, that you mentioned his institution and his amazing support of the Smart Automation Certification Alliance, which was founded right here and started right here in the state of Wisconsin. Of course, Secretary Hughes, a previous guest on our podcast, so is Wes uh, Saber from Haribo. So we've had plenty of discussions with them. And finally, uh, Aaron Yachfeld, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago uh, from Generac, the CEO at Generac. You certainly tapped into the uh, goings-on in the world of advanced manufacturing and in the world of Industry 4.0 here in our in our state of Wisconsin, and I want to I want to talk about that now a little bit. All these relationships that you've managed to build over the years with industrial employers, manufacturing employers, uh, we have a lot of educators that listen, as you would imagine, to our podcast each and every week. And I'd be interested, Governor, in your advice for an institution of education at any level, K-12 district, technical college, a uh, institution of higher education, a university, any of these, as they're looking to develop those great relationships with private employers. What advice does Governor Tony Evers have for those folks? Yeah. And some of it comes naturally, obviously, uh, you know, you have tech ed programs in our high schools that have great relationships with local private enterprises, whether it's high tech or manufacturing or farming industry, you name it. So some of those come naturally, but I think, you know, especially around uh, high tech or advanced manufacturing, I think we have to kind of go an extra mile there to make that happen because that's not part of everybody's life in K through 12 in particular. And so whatever we can do to encourage people in the private sector to really reach out to school districts, to help them understand what 4.0 is all about, help them understand what a great opportunity it is for young people to think through this. And in the K through 12 world, it doesn't take much to get kids excited about anything that's dealing with technology. And even in the smallest uh, burgs of this state, we have lawyers that are really doing amazing things with technology. And I don't want to put this burden on on the employer. Certainly, certainly we need educators to reach out to. But with all the myriad of things that are going in on our schools, making sure that that happens at a at a really high level, I think, is really important. And I just my experience too, Matt, is that a technical college system plays a role in that too. They're the ones that can maybe be the glue between K through 12 and and the local employers. Absolutely. As we talk to private employers, we tell them if you're not serving on your technical college's advisory boards, you're missing a huge opportunity to build relationships and to influence what's happening at your technical colleges. So we couldn't agree more on that front, the importance of industrial employers reaching out to their educators, educators reaching back to their private employers. Very, very important. One more question, Governor, before we get you on your day. If you had one piece of advice, and this is a question we ask every guest on our podcast, one piece of advice for a high school sophomore, what would that advice be? High school sophomore, I, A, 
think about your future, but be as open-minded as possible. I mean, I know there are some kids when they're sophomores in high school that absolutely know what they're going to be when they grow up and they accomplish that. But the state of our economy and the state of jobs in the state of Wisconsin, do you just think of, uh, you're talking about 4.0. I mean, when I went to high school, we weren't at 1.0. And so here, here, here we are changing so dramatically, so quickly. We have to really make sure that keep open-minded, explore as many areas as you can. This is really, really important because things change so quickly. And even in my time, which is a long time ago, I started out in high school, I was scraping mold off of cheese in a cheese factory. Well, cheese doesn't come with mold anymore. Those jobs, those jobs are gone. And I went from being in medical school to getting a job at Kohler to getting my master's in education. Be flexible, folks. Life is changing so quickly, even more significantly more quickly than when I was going to school. Be flexible and open-minded. Governor Tony Evers, thank you so much for spending some time with us this afternoon on the TechEd Podcast. Thanks a lot, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the TechEd Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, leave a review, and if you like this episode, share it with a friend. New episodes launch every Tuesday, so listen in next week.